When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those with a heavy flow and a wide set vagina. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about, finally, 2004's Mean Girls. We have a new student with us. She just moved here from Africa. Welcome. I'm from Michigan. Great. I'm 16, but until today, I was homeschooled. And then it was goodbye, Africa. And hello, high school. So you've never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up! I didn't say anything. Plastics. Who are the plastics? <laughs> We're getting here. Okay. Um, and before we get to this, this uh, what is sure to be very lively discussion of Mean Girls, <laughs> I just want to say, I want to put an offer out there. So, you know, if you're a podcast listener, you've probably heard your favorite hosts beg for reviews on Apple Podcasts in many ways. However, I think that I have come up with a good... Uh, a good carrot, if you will, to lure you into reviewing the show. Okay, so if you haven't yet, if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> and then you probably should DM us or something so we know that you did it. Or if you yeah. put it in your review, we will give you a shout-out on the podcast in the form of maybe improvising or maybe pre-producing a song <laughs> about you in the style of an artist of your choice. It's going to be a 10-second song, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Audrey didn't know about this until right now, so I will I will uh, take up the responsibility for that, but I think that it would be fun. So if you want to yeah. hear, if your name is, like, Brenda and you want to hear, like, a Hillary Duff-style 10-second earworm of your name, go leave us a five-star review and then uh, let us know, and we will deliver. In a public maybe forum. Should, maybe it should be like name and something else just to like give it like somewhere yeah, to go. Yeah, okay. Like. Um, name and problem? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Wait. so give us <laughs> name and or, or maybe name and like noun 
or give us your name just, and something you want us to involve in the content and we will. Yeah, just it can be anything or it could just be your name. But like it, it's a little more spicy if there's yeah, another element. If you give us some more elements, it'll it'll be good. OK, so I hope that that encourages you. Thank you in advance. I look forward to this challenge. And now, <laughs> Audrey, so why why have we waited this long to talk about Mean Girls, would you say? Well, I think Mean Girls is pretty much the first movie, if not, you know, one of the first few movies that people will think of when they think of this genre. And there's also been so, 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 so many video essays, BuzzFeed articles, mm-hmm. you know, like, basically, I feel like this genre of, like, nostalgia culture that we are all partaking in, like, it hit Mean Girls first. Yes. Like, I I think people started doing this sort of review and commentary of Mean Girls before everything else. So when we started the show, we were just kind of like, let's not do Mean Girls because I think the world... I don't know that the world needs that content, truly. Right, Um, But, and we haven't really revealed this yet. We haven't revealed this, but for the the third, or yeah, for the second half of the third season, we are planning on doing musicals, strictly. So once we came up with that idea, we were like, hmm, maybe we should knock out Mean Girls this point. We're feeling up to the challenge of coming up with something original to say, or at least something that is literally not just directly ripped off of a BuzzFeed article. I don't know what it is with BuzzFeed articles and Mean Girls where it feels so indelibly tied. Um, yeah. It's probably just, well, okay, I'll, I'll say more about this later, but just like the like titanium chain connecting like millennials to mean girls is like so intense that yeah. I think it's like, it's like almost cringe in some ways to even talk mm-hmm. about it. But you know what? I really enjoyed is rewatching girls, it. <laughs> is mean girls chuggy at this point? I mean, I think it is, but you know what? I We're think here. it is. <laughs> I was going to say that word and then I was like, maybe I shouldn't. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I think it might be. No, but... it definitely is. Like referencing Mean Girls is deeply, deeply, deeply chuggy. Yeah, like it's very much like a cursive font on a mug that says you go Glen Coco. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, that's just We're definitely like is. reading people in the audience right now by saying <laughs> that though. That's okay, guys. Be- you know why? Because I I don't discourage that. I, I don't discourage that behavior. I just think that we should all recognize it for what it is. Like, is that not what it's this like, is about? It's like that tweet that's like, I am cringe, but I am free. It's very that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so with all that in mind, let's just get into the facts, shall we? Yeah. So Mean Girls was released in the U.S. on April 19th, 2004, quite a time for our culture, and was directed by Mark Waters. Now, Mark Waters is best known for directing 500 Days of Summer, another classic, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, The Spiderwick Chronicles, the 2021 He's All That that just came out that everyone is weighing Mm -hmm. in on. And also he directed Freaky Friday, which is crazy because Freaky Friday and 
confessions of a teenage drama queen and mean girls all came out like really close to each other. So I don't know. Yeah. He was steering two of the biggest uh, Lindsay Lohan vehicles at the time. Um, okay. This is embarrassing, Audrey, but circling back to he's all that. Isn't she's all that Spike Lee? No. <laughs> okay. What is it? She's all that is Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr. And oh. it is... Um, like a makeover movie, and now they've just made like a new version of it with Addison Ray from TikTok, but it's like gender swapped. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, one of our listeners, Shelly, would really, 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 really love if we would cover "He's All That" versus "She's All That." Yeah, I but saw I that. Literally, message. don't know if I can do it. I, I don't know if I can watch this 2021 He's All That. Like, the closest I, I will get to that is probably watching um the Trixie and Katya Netflix review thing of it. Right, 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 right. That's I also, probably it. I feel the need to circle back because is it She's Got to Have It that Spike Lee? Yeah, it's She's okay. Got to Have It. Okay, what that's what I'm of. thinking of. That's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Okay, I feel the need to redeem myself there. Um, I haven't seen either. Surprising. Okay. So anyway, this movie was produced by a lot of people. Actually, there were like six people credited as producers, but a lot of them only had like three credits, including this. So I just picked the people that have the most comprehensive track record. Um, first of all, well, okay. For better or for worse, this movie is a massive SNL circle jerk. Um, yeah. And not to use the phrase circle jerk because ew, but like that's literally what it is. I mean, SNL is a circle jerk. Like that's what yeah. it is. Like it's like all of America watching a circle jerk. But anyway, so Lauren Michaels was one of these producers and he's like the man behind SNL. Like he's been producing it for a thousand years. He's like the guy in charge. Um, he also is a producer or was a producer on 30 Rock, Coneheads. The Kids in the Hall, Shrill, Late Night with Seth Meyers, AP Bio, Tonight Show with Jimmy Kim, fuck, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, not Kimmel, et cetera. So basically it was like anything that has like an SNL uh, alum on it that's like NBC affiliated, he tends to be like up in the business of. Um, I just have weird beef with SNL in general because everyone I went to college with wanted to be on SNL because it was like before it was embarrassing to be on SNL. And it just makes <laughs> me think about how much college was the worst. It's funny too, because like those people might think that, it, I wonder if those people still feel the same way now. Like, do they still want to be on it? Because no. obviously given the opportunity, of course they would be on it. Right. Like, duh, you just can't get on it. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not that the show is great. It's not that the show, it's not that the jokes land. It's not that the sketches are clever, witty, or cunning. <laughs> it is simply that it's a huge platform. Like, what? of course they would do it if they could. I, I agree. And I also just feel like the, I don't know, I feel like when we were younger, there was like more trust in institutions like that. And I feel like now there's just like way, way, way less. Like people question authority way more. At least people like in yeah. our genre of human definitely yeah, are huge, like it. conglomerate type of entertainment um, situations are like 
very much questioned. I yeah. yeah, I definitely feel that. Or it's like that's just not funny. Like there's just like no situation where they can be perceived as funny by like <laughs> Yeah. An entire generation. But I, re- I remember we used to watch SNL with mom and dad in high school and it was like funny. And now yeah. it's like not. I mean, yeah, it, I could go on about this, but I think for me, like when once Kristen Wiig wasn't there or like Steve Hader, I was like, OK, I'm good. You mean Bill Hader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, who was I thinking of? Steve Carell, Steve Martin. Mm, uh, I don't know. But yeah, Bill Hader. Yeah, whatever. Literally, God forbid you his forget a comedian from the SNL canon. His How name is Bill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the second producer is Louise Rosner. Uh, she executive produced the 2021 Cinderella that we have shat on already. She also was involved in The Big Short, Sorry. The Hunger Games, <laughs> Baby Mama, Hot Rod, She's All That, and Weirdly, a lot of Mary-Kate and Ashley direct video productions from when they were little kids. Mm. So, good. really, pardon our SNL tangent, but it is really relevant because there's so many people in this movie that are SNL alumni, including the screenwriter, Tina Fey. This was actually her first screenwriting gig, which is like, imagine what privilege, as they like, yeah. as, as we say. This was her first screenwriting gig. However, she was a actor and writer, comedian on SNL for many years. She is best known for Mean Girls, 30 Rock, Date Night, Sisters, Baby Mama. And she was the showrunner of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which was like, which to me also falls into the Chugi category very, very hard. Um, And also with Tina Fey, and this will clearly come up when we're talking about the movie, she sort of has a legacy of like making minorities the butt of the joke a lot of the time and like not really doing a great job at owning up to it after the fact. So she's an interesting creative. However, I don't know. A lot of people really love her. I feel like she's made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I mean, certainly she has made a lot of mistakes and I do think obviously there, there will be a grouping of people that aren't considering um, the time that has passed and what was viewed, regardless of whether or not it is okay, what was passable then versus what is passable now, blah, blah, blah. But I watched a really good video essay about this exact topic. And I I think if you're interested in this topic, like we should link it because it was really in depth. It was good. You should send it to me because I actually was looking for one on this subject earlier today before we recorded because I like wanted to have yeah. a bit more to say. What? Yeah. You should send it to me. Yeah. Oh, I, we can all watch it and uh, <laughs> we could do an yeah, Instagram I mean, live book talk for that. Yeah. Video. Like at the end of the day, like who really cares what we have to say about it? I just think it's interesting to reflect on as a white person. And we'll talk about this later. Yeah. But. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to this. Yeah, this is going to be an episode where we talk about whiteness probably a decent amount. So buckle the up, yikes. people. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, Tina Fey is the writer and then also Rosalind Wiseman gets writer credit for this movie because she wrote the nonfiction book Teen Bees and Wannabes, which Tina Fey read and it ended up inspiring the movie. 
Honestly, very happy for Rosalind that her nonfiction book about bullying somehow got spun into all of this. Who would have thought? Good for her. I really feel like she can credit her title. Like yes. if I was looking, you know, like the the title is really evocative and like it like does describe yeah. something very well. It's true. It does bother me that it's bees and bees, though. Yeah. Well, no, it's wait. Isn't that's it team not right. <laughs> it's it's teen queens it's teen and wannabes. Teen queens and wannabes. What I wrote down. Teen bees and wannabes. Teen bees and wannabes. And then didn't process it enough to the point where I would say, "How dare they say bees twice? Why would it be bees twice?" Ooh, that's really good. Okay. Audrey, you ready? Yes. Okay. Okay. So plot synopsis. Katie Heron is a, um, this is so small. Wait, there we go. Okay. Here's the plot synopsis. Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, the A-list girl click at her new school until she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of alpha plastic Regina George. Also not good. <laughs> I think it's okay. It's okay. But like when will when will somebody provide us with a really accurate plot synopsis? I don't know. In, on the in the grand scheme, that one was not bad. Um and then taglines, we've got a whole whole bunch. Uh the first one, I'm just gonna list them off real fast. Go for it. Welcome to Girl World, Survival of the Ruthless, Mean. Meaner, meanest, so fetch, watch your back, they're coming, (laughs) this summer, be part of the in crowd, and only the strong survive. This movie came out in April, so I don't know why it says this summer be a part of the in crowd. Maybe it was the DVD release. Maybe, but also like it being spring, it's close enough. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, okay, so those were the taglines, and now it is time to get into the cast. And this is an extremely stacked cast, and it was, like, almost more stacked now looking back at it than it was at the time, because, like, basically every single person in this movie, like, is known for their role in this movie now, because this movie was so huge. You already know who the leading lady is. We have Lindsay Lohan as Katie Heron. Um, I don't need to tell you anything about her, but just for fun, she is in The Parent Trap, Freaky Friday, Just My Luck, Herbie Fully Loaded, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, and Get a Clue, and many other things. But those are kind of like the main things she's known for, at least with us. (laughs) What? She went back on it. She Okay, so Audrey's talking about the fact that I wrote down, let's not forget that Lindsay is gay, question mark, question mark, question mark, because after this movie came out, she, the song that goes, uh, if I'm just built this way, that one, she was dating the artist of that song. Um, but Audrey's saying that she went back on it? Yeah. What does that Like mean? at some point, it means she just like literally took it back. She's like, nah, I'm, I'm big straight. Like... <laughs> What? Okay. But, like, I don't buy that. Hey. Whatever. I don't know. We all just want her to be a bisexual icon because she seems like she's I mean, I don't know. I don't know how she is now. I also have no, like, 
proof that she said that that <laughs> she took it back. I don't have proof of any of these Wait, statements. So you don't even know if she took it back. You're just saying that she took it back. No, like I think I heard it in like one of um, uh, Bimbo Summit's Lindsay Lohan I see. video essays. So I'm pretty sure, you know, obviously she has her sources. Uh, I just don't remember what they were. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, whatever. She's dated women in the past. Next up, we have Rachel McAdams as Regina George. And she also had The Notebook come out same year, Unreal. But she's known from The Notebook, Mean Girls, Red Eye, Sherlock Holmes, True Detective, many other things. But I think The Notebook and Mean Girls are really her career crown jewels for sure. And then we have Tina Fey as Miss Norberry. We already talked about her. Uh, We have Tim Meadows as Mr. Duvall. He was in The Ladies' Man, Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, and then The Goldbergs, Bob's Burgers. He's like had a really, really long TV comedy career, and he was also on SNL, unsurprisingly. Next up, we have Amy Poehler as Regina George's mom. She's best known for Inside Out, Baby Mama, Parks and Rec. Uh, And of course, she was also on SNL. She did like all the UCB shit. She actually co-founded UCB, I think. She did. I don't know. I'm sure that that's true. Oh. Um, It was her and I think like a partner or I don't know. Again, I have literally done everything in my power to delete everything related to UCB and comedy from my brain post 2017 because that's just a healthy way to be. Next up, we have Lacey Chabert. She's best known for Mean Girls. Definitely. And also she was the voice of Eliza in the Wild Thornberries, which I totally forgot about. Um, She was a child star. She was on a million episodes of Party of Five and she was also in All My Children. But other things that she's known for are Lost in Space, Not Another Teen Movie, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, Hallmark Christmas movies slash Hallmark movies in general. And there was apparently also a Spider-Man TV show and she was Gwen Stacy in that. So that's cool. Um... She seems to be vibing. She's still getting casted in a lot of things, which makes me happy. Even though she's not like massively famous or anything, she definitely is still a working actor. And then next up, we have Amanda Seyfried as Karen Smith. She was in the Les Mis movie, R.I.P. She was in Mamma Mia. Again, this is one of these people that gets casted in musicals all the time. And I don't know why, because she's really not a great singer, in my opinion. Do you agree? (laughs) I... Can't really say I've heard anything that floored me. Um, She kind of sounds like Snow White. Yes, I agree. Um, But she's pretty. She also was in Dear John, The Dropout, the TV show Big Love, and Veronica Mars. And she also was on All My Children when she was a child. So perhaps she and Lacey knew each other from back in the day. We just have a few more people here. There's so many relevant characters that it was like really hard to pick and choose like who to put in. Next, we have Lizzie Kaplan as Janice Ian. What I wouldn't do for this character. I love her so much. Um, She is best known for being in Cloverfield, Now You See Me, Hot Tub Time Machine, LOL, Masters of Sex, Party Down, True Blood, The Class, and Freaks and Geeks, apparently, which I will have to rewatch to encounter. You don't remember that? I don't remember her on that show. Do you remember the disco part where um, Jason Segel's character gets into disco? And he, he like, it's, like, embarrassing and, like, they all hate it. She's the one that he does that with. 
Oh, okay. I'll have to watch. Yeah. I mean, I actually started rewatching it recently for the first time since like mom showed it to us when we were in like middle school or high school. Um, so I don't remember, but I will have to rewatch. Okay. And now next two are funny to me for a couple reasons, but we have Daniel Francesi as Damien. Um, he is known for being in the movie I Spit on Your Grave, Party Monster, Bully, but really Mean Girls is his most significant, massively culturally impactful role. And something that I find really interesting is his personal story is actually really similar to Brian's from School of Rock, who played Fancy Pants, a.k.a. the little boy who says Liza Minnelli, um, in the sense of like, he was cast in a role as a gay character, but he wasn't out yet. And it was really, really hard for him to like come to terms with who he was, despite the fact that he was like internationally celebrated for being this like very gay character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't come out until the 10th anniversary. So yeah, it was 2014. 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because he's very much like in like the drag race adjacent, like white gays circle now. Um, you see him on shows like Hey Queen. He was actually just in Bibi Zahara Benet's music video. Like he, he's in it. And hilariously also, or not hilariously, but like, of course, um, Jonathan Bennett, who plays Aaron Samuels also is an out and gay and drag race adjacent man <laughs> these days. Um, he was in the Ariana Grande Thank You Next video reprising his role. Um, other things he's been in besides Mean Girls, it was like he hosted Cake Wars and he was in, IMTB was like, he's known for being in A Dog Walker's Christmas. And I was like, I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm pretty sure it's Hallmark. <laughs> um, and Tina Fey, has been quoted multiple times saying that they casted him because he looked like Jimmy Fallon, which is true. Is questionable. And it is questionable. And perhaps that's why he like doesn't have like a ton of other big roles and things. I don't know. I think he's really good in Mean Girls. He is really good in Mean Girls. Also, I have to circle back and say that Daniel was also in the show Looking, which was like the HBO um, Jonathan Groff series about like being a hot gay white man in San Francisco, (laughs) Um, which is just like, is all very on theme. Like Jonathan Bennett and Daniel definitely run in the same circles, which is funny. Um, Okay, Audrey, your turn. All right. So the budget was $17 million. Um, box office opening weekend was twenty four million four hundred thirty two thousand one hundred ninety five, and the overall worldwide gross is one hundred and thirty million one hundred twenty five thousand eight hundred twenty nine. Um, and I feel like in two thousand four there was still very much room for like this mid size budget comedy, like seventeen million. That is a lot of money to civilians but in the the, the the grand scheme that is not that much um and they got so many great actors that would be costly as well and then as far as the critic score it ended up being 84 percent that's I feel I feel like that's roughly what I would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, the critic consensus is 
elevated by a brilliant screenplay and outstanding ensemble cast, Mean Girls finds fresh female-fronted humor in the high school experience. Um, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant is a bold choice. At the time, yeah, probs. It probably but also, was there are moments of actual brilliance in this screenplay. Though. Yeah. Like, there's so many really good moments in it, which we will definitely get to in the second half. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I picked a couple little critic blurbs here. Uh, Stephen D. Gradanis of Decent Films Guide was not into this movie. He said... Though better written, better acted, and with more wit and subtlety than your average teen flick, the atmosphere in Mean Girls, with its promiscuous sex and, well, meanness, make it almost as nasty to sit through as these girls are to each other. Literally. It's not for you. (laughs) Please put it away, sir. Like, sorry you can't handle girls being mean. Like, that's on you. And then Matt Brunson of Film Frenzy says, Like Heathers and Clueless, this box office hit turns out to be that rare teen flick that refuses to be pigeonholed as a teen flick. So, you know, he's placing it in the canon. It's not a particularly flaming take, but you know what? I put it there anyway. Yeah. Um, The audience score was 66%, which seemed really low for this. Yeah. And all the reviews were like, I love this movie. So I was like, why? Like, where's the beef? Like, I'm confused. Uh, I don't feel like that's accurate to the world. Like, if I were to guess what the audience score would be, Mm -hmm. I would probably guess like 88 or something. Like, yes, 90. Closer to the critic score. Yeah. Okay. And now 2004. We've done a lot of 2004 movies at this point, so none of this is particularly groundbreaking. Um, <laughs> there's, so no po- there's almost no point in even doing I know. I'm just going to go really, really fast. I'm just going to read these words. It's going to be 30 seconds. <sighs> we have Ashley Simpson's reign, relevant celebrities being Chad Michael Murray, Gwen Stefani, Paris Hilton, Usher, Justin Timberlake, Nick Lachey, and Jessica Simpson. Um, and on the Disney Channel, stuff we were watching at the time, you had like Phil of the Future, that's so Raven. Really, they had a grip on us. And um, there was no Hannah Montana yet. And Lizzie McGuire was just winding down around this time. So that's sort of what we were watching. Um, but Audrey, what do you remember about this movie the first time you saw it? Where were you? What were your reactions? What do you think of when you think of this movie? What do you got? Um, oddly... I, this is another one, like, I don't know why, but the the movies we've covered of late, I can't remember, like, my first time seeing them. I can't remember when I saw Mean Girls the first time. Um, but it might have been, because I know we had the DVD, so mm-hmm. I think it was that. Um, and probably in middle school-ish. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I totally forgot that this was one of the movies that we had in the car, but it definitely was. Yeah, it was. Um, I totally forgot that I had seen this movie a hundred times. Like, I feel like I've seen this movie so many times. Um, And I I was kind of shocked that I was able to even forget that. But the first time I saw it, I remember it very well. I had a... um, a best friend in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade who looked just, well, didn't look just like Audrey, but looked similarly to Audrey and was Similar also named. Enough. 
Yeah, similar <laughs> enough. It was before Audrey's hair got really curly, so it was a different game. Um, but this girl's name was also Audrey, and she lived close to me. And she had an older sister who was like 17, 16, when we were like 11. So that she was like the coolest bitch in the world. And um, she had Mean Girls, and we watched it in Audrey's basement during a sleepover and it was awesome. I remember it pretty well. This was also the same friend where like, as we've talked about many times, Audrey and I had so many rules about the internet and about like stuff that we could and couldn't watch. But if when I went to Audrey's house, it was like no holds barred. Like you, we had YouTube with no controls. Like we were watching music videos. Like I vividly remember watching the Confessions of a Broken Heart music video in her basement. Also, like, the Nobody's Home Avril Lavigne music video. And we would watch the Kardashians. Like, I got to watch my Super Sweet 16 there, and I never got to watch that. And, like, that was just... Like, when I think of this era of, like, juicy sweatsuit nostalgia from my childhood, I always think about being at Audrey's house because they really subscribed yeah. to that shit there. And our house did not and subscribe. I, yeah. And I only got that vibe, like, secondhand through you. Yeah. Like, there was no... I was picking up the scraps, like... (laughs) (laughs) You were picking up the scraps, and I'm really... uh, It's a bummer. Really, I don't think that her life would have been as, like, liberated content-wise if she didn't have the way older sister... Because I yeah. feel like everyone else that we knew, like, had either way older brothers or, like, they weren't old. Like, the age gaps weren't big enough for, like, there to be lots of freedom. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, if you had been way older than me or something, I'm sure I would have had the same experience. Yeah. Like, you can't, as a parent, like, you can't have a teen and, you know, like, it's just yeah. hard, you, hard to, like, shield things from such different age groups. Yes. In the same house. Totally. But yeah. But yeah, I just, when I was watching this movie, I was really, I was actually feeling nostalgic and happy in a way that I really wasn't anticipating. But I'm excited to talk about the movie because I have a lot of notes and I had a very good time. This movie is available on Amazon and YouTube for rental, but it's not on streaming right now. But it goes on and off of Netflix kind of a lot. So depending on when you're listening to this, it might be on Netflix. So it's worth a shot. But we will be right back and we will get into our unpacking of 2004's Mean Girls. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's so good. 
We are back, everyone, and it is time to dive into our findings surrounding 2004's Mean Girls, the long-awaited, <laughs> most obvious choice for sleepover cinemas finally being acknowledged. Um, let's start with the good things. Right, right, right. <laughs> right then, right. The good okay. things. Yeah, I also wrote soundtrack first. Um, oh my God, me too. Duh. Literally, duh. Like, we were just singing right before yeah. this. The, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what she's saying, but it's also the song on the DVD menu, which we're going to post because it is one of the best, if not the most elite DVD menu. Like, it, it yes. I mean, we did, watch, really we did watch the DVD a lot. So that makes sense that we, we know it so well. We but um, the song is called Overdrive. It's great. Um, you know what I noticed on this watch that I am an actual idiot for not noticing? Like, I think, I think I did notice it, but I just didn't notice how many times it came up is the yellow school bus. Yes. It comes up like six times. Like I. They foreshadow it a lot. They foreshadow it so much and I can appreciate it. I mean. Why not? It's <laughs> something to appreciate. Yeah. It's notable as well. Um, I noticed on this watch that like the sort of like documentary or archival aspect, like like the literal like almost mockumentary vibe of it um, is like mm-hmm. underrated. Like people don't think of that those moments when they think of Mean Girls. Yeah, I guess some people do. Like they would think of the um, like she bought army pants and flip flops, so I bought army pants and flip flops, like that. <laughs> yeah, um, those parts. But this watch, I was appreciating that stylistic choice, and I feel like that does contribute to why people love the movie so much. But nobody really talks about it, like mm-hmm. as a style. Um, I was appreciating that Mean Girls does click integration more properly, like in a movie c- compared to Bratz. <laughs> yes, 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 like, yes. The way that you get sucked up. I mean, is the bar in hell? <laughs> yes. The, but yeah. I just like, you know, the whole like, sit down, like, you know, I yeah. love your bracelet. Where'd you get it? Or just like the slow burn of like a click being. Why don't in- I know you? Yeah, like being integrated into a click is just a lot. Yeah, better in this movie. But again, like, am I really comparing those two? No. Um, the Danny DeVito, Danny DeVito, I love your work line lives on. Yeah. Um, and then also a line that I loved and kind of forgot is just I've been really busy with choir (laughs) (laughs) like it's really good he has all the best lines but that scene um where they're just like standing there plotting in the hallway Damien Janice and Katie and like the say crack one more time crack like that Yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah that scene had me actually laugh out loud and I was like (laughs) <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> um, and then my last thing that I appreciated is how consistent and purposeful the extras are in this mm-hmm. movie. Like that you can spot the same people in like pretty much every scene. And I feel like it adds 
a real sense of of community of the school. Like these are the people that go to this school. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Okay, my good things. Um, a lot of this is just like specific quotes that still hit really well. Yeah. But like when they're talking about all the cliques in the school or no, no, no. It's not when they're talking about the cliques. It's when um, one of the girls is like, if I wore sweatpants, I would be sitting over there with the art freaks. And then it goes to Damien and he's like, baby, boo, with the meat <laughs> on his face. <laughs> I laughed out loud at that. I was like, that's so stupid. I love it. Um, okay. I loved that. Um, th- this is kind of like a trademark of the movie secretly, but like the fact that um, Aaron is bad at math <laughs> is just really, really funny. And the fact that she's like, wrong. He was so wrong. Yeah. And I didn't care. Like, I loved that. Um, I thought it was also really funny that when she goes to the Halloween party, he's like totally unfazed by the fact that she's dressed that way. Like he's not freaked out by that. Like that is not what (laughs) makes him uneasy around her at all. It's like Regina has to do all this lying to make him uncomfortable with her. I thought that was really funny. He's almost like a, he's like a himbo or something. (laughs) Yes. No, he literally is. And I actually. Go ahead. No, he's a himbo. And I think a really good example of how he's a himbo is the fact that he sits at the lunch table with all the plastics and it's just him and them. I'm like, that is not a thing that would happen like that. I just found really funny. Yeah. Um, I this time it really um, struck me that when after the Halloween party, when Damien and Janice and uh, Katie come up with their like plan of how they're going to take her down, they're like, these are the steps. It's like hot bod, AKA technically good physique, which was really funny. Yeah. Um, like body friends, boy. And it basically just maps out like where the movie is going to take you. Mm. Um, it's very comforting. You're like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, the way the thing they always say, like, no, when you get to go home, it's like, once these three things have been addressed, you know, that we're heading in the right direction. Loved that. Um, I really love how you know, they I, I like, incorporate. You always, bring, <laughs> you always bring that up about like knowing the direction of a film and like that phrase of whatever that is. Like, no, what is yeah. it? Like knowing when the audience. That's a thing. That's a thing I learned. That's like a. No, I know. It's and it's, like it's true. It's valid. But I just think it's funny that you always bring it up because you like. I could see you like feeling like when's this shit going to be over? <laughs> I just like it when I know, you know, like they do that on kid shows all the time. They're like, we're going to do A, B, and C, and then this. Yeah. I just like you simple. You like the guide. Just you like, like to be a little bit guided. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't. I do like to be a bit guided. want like a free range, structureless thing. Well, I think I also just enjoy dramatic irony a lot. It's kind of yeah. like when you start with like in a movie like Bernie or something where it's like, you know what's going to happen. That's true. Um, yeah, it can ser- like it can serve that. a story really well. Yeah. Um, don't hate on me for liking what I like. <laughs> I am what I am. I'm not. I'm, okay? I'm just spicing it up for all the listeners at home. Okay, please do. Please do. We should fight. <laughs> um, anyway, we should I love how more. they involve... <laughs> Last time Audrey and I were alone, no, the day that we went to the screening of the documentary, Audrey said, I wish I had a reason to fight you because I would. (laughs) 
<laughs> we were talking about how we never were allowed to physically fight each other, but now technically we could physically we fight could. each other, but <laughs> we don't have a reason to. <laughs> the distance. But Audrey wants a reason. The distance. She wants also, to pulverize me. Yeah. <laughs> the distance makes it hard. Yeah. We'd have to go meet up somewhere in Pennsylvania to beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> the production design of the burn book is so iconic Mm -hmm. (laughs) it looks so good it literally like established an aesthetic like for years to come honestly yeah it did Um, I think I kind of modeled one of my scrapbooks after it subconsciously (laughs) I mean did did we not all do that like it was so it looked so good yeah but I mean mine was not insulting people it was just like our vacations of that year but still (laughs) (laughs) with a shady format yeah yeah okay um I know that you don't have a notable category but um actually I do maybe you should stop um pigeon assuming (laughs) stop putting you in a box okay yeah like I proceed with your notable things um, I, I can't change. <laughs> all I put, even if I tried. Okay. All Sorry. I put actually, I, I okay. This this needs to be edited out. But for actually for the easy A one, I did have a lot in notable. But then because of how it went, like I couldn't use them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did okay. do that. But literally, okay. all I wrote in notable is, please. Describe to me what a regulation hottie is. <laughs> I know. I wish I, I wish they said that too. Yeah, because they go, you're a regulation hottie. And then they're like, oh, you'll get socialized a little slice like you. <laughs> um, yeah. But they don't explain it. So I'm assuming that regulation hottie, is, it's, it means like, you are like set apart somehow from the I don't know I don't get it like what is it yeah like there's some certain criteria you have to meet and we don't know what the criteria is yeah like I just I think it's interesting that they just drop that and then don't define it but I know it's surprising that Lindsay doesn't go regulation hottie what's that I mean and then they like would have said something could have been there they might have taken it out who knows could have been there so one thing that I was kind of bringing up on the first half is that listening to Mean Girls and it, it's it's hard to not notice how much this movie has influenced the way that millennials speak. Like there's so much about it that I feel like seeped into the mainstream. Like when um when Miss Norbury says, well, this has been sufficiently awkward. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's some shit I would say. And I hate that, yeah. but it's true. Yeah. And I feel like, this movie was just one of those movies that really like informed the the uh like dialect of its viewers kind of like Juno but less it was like more achievable than Juno yeah Juno you can't Juno really so just, you can't just like freeform talk like Juno but people do now cuz when i watched it recently i was like they don't sound as out there as they once did cuz yeah. people talk closer to this yeah that I thought was interesting. I don't buy that Regina George would have an Avril Lavigne poster in her room, but she does have one in her room. No, you know why you and can buy it, though? Why? Because she used to be friends with Janice. 
Oh, true. Through line, yeah. through line. Good, good point. Um, I feel okay. You know this whole thing where people are like, the joke is that Janice is Lebanese, not that she's lesbian. Mm-hmm. I like get it, but I also like don't believe that that's actually the joke. I just don't see why it would be her final punchline if it wasn't the joke. But to me, it always struck me as a punchline on the fact that Kevin only dates women of color yeah. and that he's like, oh, I can justify her as a woman of color mm-hmm. or a woman of color because she's Lebanese. Yeah, I personally, but also I was way too young, so whatever. But I never got that until recently, like maybe a year or two ago. Um, but I don't, I only found out about it because someone told me like six months ago. And even then I was like... I think that I think that the joke that you described is the more pertinent joke and the other joke is sort of incidental. Like, I don't think that it is confirming anything. I don't think that it confirms that she's not a lesbian. I just think it's just kind of there. Yeah, right. But I feel like whenever people talk about it, they're like, she's not a lesbian. She's just Lebanese. Like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, wait, but... I mean, it is the sort what? of mis- like, it is the sort of misunderstanding that a fourth grader Regina George could have. Um, like, you know, I can't invite her to my pool party, like blah blah blah. But it yeah, also but, conflates but, with just her. That is something that could happen regardless. Like, I agree. It's I think it's sort of the yeah. strange like overlap of things that were said where it could apply, but it also doesn't have to. Yeah, well, and also because I was paying special attention during that part when she's talking about like being friends with um, Janice when she's younger and she's like, oh, it was like she was in love with me. Like she got really jealous Mm -hmm. when I started dating this guy and I was like, okay, so that's why she thinks she's a lesbian because she got really jealous when she was dating someone else. So then the whole Lebanese thing, I'm like, I don't get it. I think it applies more to the, to Kevin only dating women of color. I I actually do think that. I agree. Yeah. I agree, but for some reason, everyone always wants to say that, like, that's the whole joke. And, and I'm like, know, I just don't really think that's it. No, I think people just want to say something new about Mean Girls. So, like, I get it. But, um, you know, like, they want to, like, notice something new. Once um, Katie starts going off the deep end and, like, Damien and Janice are just annoyed with her more than anything, um, they ask her, Janice asks her, um, I called you last night. Why didn't you call me back? Right. And she says, I got busy or something. Yeah. Um, But that's like a direct callback to what Regina says. Right. Yeah. About being being friends with Janice. So I feel like, yeah, I I think that adds. Um, Okay. So bad things. I have some bad things that aren't necessarily problematic, but it kind of just dovetails into that. I don't feel that even if you were like born and raised in Africa, that you would be dumb enough to believe that all black people are from Africa. Like, why is she walking up to the? Yeah. (laughs) Why is she walking up to black kids in the cafeteria and saying Jumbo? Like, I don't think you should be more aware of the world, not less aware. Right, 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 right. Like you like when when that happened, I was like. What? <laughs> I know, me too. Like, that would not happen if somebody truly was raised in Africa. Like, you would be very aware of your surroundings. Well, maybe. 
Oh, just like having moved, like you just moved to another country. Like I, th- I feel like she knows. Yeah, probably. She knows she's not. Yeah. Um, and you would, I'm sure, also realistically, you would know, like, if there was like a group of students that was from Africa, you would definitely tr- probably try to be with those people. Right. So, I don't know. The worst category is hard because. It, they pretty much all double as dated or problematic. Well, I have a couple that aren't that. So I could just I could just say those just so we can get them out of the way. One thing that I thought was kind of weird is like the thing that breaks Gretchen in the end is the fact that, or not in the end, but like halfway through, is Regina saying that fetch isn't going to happen. And I thought that that was sort of weird that that was like the catalyst for her, like fully giving up on like being a good friend or like, or like fully being in like panic mode. I guess it was a little more than that because it was like Regina asking her to switch sides last minute and also just like being a bitch in general. But that kind of stood out to me as weird. And the, the candy gram or whatever it was called. The candy cane gram. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which was also a great part. Yeah, that's true. I guess there was more leading up to it. Um, Really? Okay. For non-problematic bad things, <laughs> when when the uh, when Katie's mom is like, why is my fertility vase under the sink? Like, this is the fertility vase of the Undabelli tribe. I was like, no, it's not. That vase is from pure motherfucking one imports. Like, that vase is so clearly <laughs> not a tribal vase. Like, I just thought that that was really funny that they said that or like even tried to say that. But they couldn't have, they couldn't have made like a like a more realistic looking vase. I just, I was disappointed in their vase. I'm sorry. So now the problematic stuff. I think I have one thing to say that will open it up well, Mm -hmm. which is that there are a lot of non-straight white characters in this movie, but I feel like the thing that's so weird about watching it is that it the story is told from like an extremely straight and white lens to the point where if it's anyone who doesn't fit into those constraints, like their first and foremost identifier as a character is whatever their like minority identity is. Right. Um, and it's really jarring. Yeah. And and I feel like, um, that, I mean, that sums it up really well in 2004, I don't know. I don't even know how to verbalize, but watching this movie being a teen or even a tween and being a white one at that, like the way that you've, the way that we viewed this movie, it like was so in line with what was comfortable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for us, kind of. Yeah. That it was so like palatable from a white perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. That watching it now is like just it, it's it's uncomfortable. I, and and I know that non-white people felt that way probably from um, day one, like the first time they ever saw it. Even as kids, even if even if you were young and you weren't thinking like these like super outright thoughts or like political or even critical thoughts, like you're thinking this does not represent me whatsoever or my experience. Um, but Tina Fey at the same time is trying to like edge in people who don't fit the white straight um, standard 
but without actually representing them at all, really. Mm-hmm. Kind of just like walking stereotypes for the most part. Do they have some great lines? Like, yes, Damien's got some great lines. Yeah. And like um, Kevin G, obviously, is like an iconic character. I, I don't know. I, that was kind of all over the place. No, but. no. I think, I think a kernel of what you were saying is really true, especially... Like the way that this movie acts as if all of these racial stereotypes are like so obvious and like, of course, everyone's like this, but like, we're just going to actually name it. And like, it's like, it's like confirmation bias of like all of your worst, but I don't know, like your biased viewpoints when you're like a white kid in like a majority Mm -hmm. white school like the fact that they're like Asian nerds like unfriendly black hotties like all of that it's like it's not even necessarily that those cliques don't exist but it's the the way that they are referred to in the way that they're portrayed is just really like icky now yeah it's kind of like I I think when I first watched it everything, almost everything about what was going on and what I, what I was being shown, I was not familiar with. I, I, I kind of wasn't. Like, mm-hmm. we were aware of cliques, obviously, but as far as, like, the maturity level or, you know, like, like, even, like, when Kevin says, I only date women of color. Right, right. I legitimately did not know what that meant yeah. when I first saw. Yeah. Um. So really basic concepts like I just did not know uh, what they were so I wasn't even thinking thinking of the movie in the way of like this is from the perspective of somebody who fits the same mm, like profile as me Mm -hmm. Uh, like Lindsay Lindsay Lohan is like the every like the girl's girl like everybody can relate to her the girl next door yeah yeah, but um, it's not until later that I think that I was able to, like, really take count of the fact that, mo- like, large majority of the world doesn't relate to her. And also, I don't even think I relate to her yeah. <laughs> like that much. Yeah. So <laughs> you just kind of put yourself into those shoes. Like, mm-hmm. um, and yes, she's the protagonist, so you will put yourself in her shoes as you go on her journey but like I don't know how to say it better yeah I I think that one thing that I was really kind of debating in my mind as I was watching like as much as I enjoyed it is like because this movie goes out of the way to acknowledge race kind of constantly like Mm -hmm. like it comes up a lot and it's always a punchline and it's sort of like would it have been better for them to just not acknowledge race at all? Because I feel like that's like a lot of people, like a lot of white creators fall into that category now where it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay so deeply in my lane that I'm not even going to like acknowledge that there are other groups like kind of falling into the thing also. That's like, is it my story to tell? Like, where is the line? Like all that shit. Yeah. And like, I don't think that there's really, there's obviously like not one right answer, but just watching the way that this uses like acknowledging race as like an edgy comedic tool, mm-hmm. it just really dates it a lot. Um, which and, yeah. and not even to say it, and this is and honestly, like that might be kind of intentional 
like it might be like intentionally mean because that's sort of what this movie is. And the reason why I'm thinking of that is because like the fact that every time they have to portray like a loser girl, they pick like a fat or disabled person. Oh my God. That's, that's a part of my wrap up thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. So, okay. Let's, let's put a pin in this exact thing and come back to it. Um, I'm going to look at my list and see. I mean, everything that I wrote for Dated or Problematic, like, can be described by what what we started with in this section. Yeah. Basically. I just, like, why the Asian click? They literally use the N-word in a subtitle. Like... I know. They also say the R-word three times. Like, mm-hmm. it's just... I don't think... I mean, that is realistic um, for the time, but... I mean... It's just like at the end when Miss Katie Heron is up there after having won the crown mm-hmm. at the dance, she has this whole speech and then ultimately like splits her crown into pieces and tosses it out to all the disenfranchised people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just... the. This scene is like crazy to watch now yeah. because you basically just picked one member of each like disadvantaged group in some way yeah. and then like threw a piece of a crown to them as like a band-aid consolation prize and then they're all like thrilled and they're all just so happy to have been acknowledged right. by her greatness right. kind of. I'm like, I don't think... I don't think that I would forgive Katie. I don't think I would like her anymore. Like, I just think that they get over it so fast for the convenience of the ending. Right. Um, There's no... I, I don't think I would like her. I don't think I would vote for her. And if I was, like, one of the... Like, when she goes, she goes... I forget the name of the character. But she goes, um, like... That dress, like that hairdo, looks like it took you hours, yes. and you look so yes. beautiful, so condescending. Like, Ew! Like if if I was that girl in the crowd, I'd be like, "Fuck you! I'm leaving. Yeah. Like I want no part of this." Yep. And she's just like looking all like bashful and like <laughs> it's just like it just makes me feel bad. Like I just don't I don't like no, it. Bashful is literally um, the perfect word, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. She looks literally bad. She looks like a fucking seven dwarf with the look on her face. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, like how many takes of that did they have to oh, do? Oh, I hate like, that for her. I mean, again, it's like with this with this creator, Tina Fey, who has like had people in blackface on TV, has had people in yellowface on TV, has kind mm-hmm. of just insisted upon racial humor for a really long time. It's just hard to watch this movie and like give it a good faith interpretation as far as anything beyond just like the bare bones plot goes. And also like, I, I do wonder if there was a little bit of Tina Fey that like was bullied in high school and middle school and like had beef against mean girls because like, Mm -hmm. I, I was also really wondering to myself, like, is this movie like this movie has a really weird handle on like its internalized misogyny. Like it is really like all over the place. And again, like I can already hear the, the people being like, it's not that deep. Like it's just a movie, but like at the same time, 
it's like a life imitates art. And if you tell a whole generation of girls that like hot girls are mean, not to say that I'm getting on here saying feel bad for hot girls <laughs> because trust and believe that's not what I'm saying. But you know, it's like this stuff doesn't exist in a vacuum and yeah. it definitely made a huge impact on popular culture and therefore culture at large. So I just wonder like, why does, why does this exist? I'm glad it does, but there's just a lot to think about. Yeah, I I did. I'm pretty sure I read Tita Faye's like book mm-hmm. um, when I was like younger, maybe in high school even. Yeah. if it was out then, that would make sense. Um, and I'm pretty sure she was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was bullied. Yeah, like um, it just it has that vibe. <laughs> I do think though, going back to like Tina Fey's writing here, she did push the envelope a bit. Um, especially for like our that age the age group that it was made for, that is not going to age well, like always. So right. the fact I don't know, like it's like I'm still glad it exists because we can watch it now and and see where how far we've come. Like what's yeah. the point of what's the point of art and all that? And comedy, if like if it doesn't like reflect the times, yeah, yeah, like it should reflect the times. And um, there's no, (laughs) there's no like going back on that. And it does seeing the contrast of then and now is like what makes things interesting. Yeah, I agree. This is not us trying to like really cancel Mean Girls. Like that's not the point. It's just saying that like as some, as two people that watch this movie like five zillion times in our minivan growing up, like two white girls, it's just really wild to look back at it and be like, wow, we were really spoon fed all these stereotypes from a really young age and it does make an impact on things. It's, it's kind of like the New York Minute phenomenon, not quite as bad, but like similar. No, not nearly as bad. No, nothing could ever be as bad as, as that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, we ruined that movie, I think, for several people. We did. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so how do we wrap this up? I really enjoyed rewatching this movie. It has major flaws, but at the same time, it's definitely a classic for a reason. And mm-hmm. I laughed out loud it several is, times. Yeah, I mean, it is beloved by... All types of people. Everyone knows it's it's flawed. Everyone knows that it's flawed. Yes. Um, But honestly, if you have that many iconic women in one movie, like it's over, you know, like. Like it is what it is. Yeah. We got to throw in the towel. Yeah. And it is, it is, (laughs) it belongs in the national film registry for sure. Yeah. Okay. This is true. So not next week, but the week after, we are celebrating one year of Sleepover Cinema, if you can believe it. We will have been doing the show uh, for a whole year, which is really fun and exciting. And we are going to do some sort of special episode. We're thinking we might do some Q&A. We might do maybe like some some highlights from some of the other episodes that we've done. But if you have an idea for our one year celebration episode, please uh, let us know. You can send us a DM on Instagram at two pink pictures, or you can email us at two pink pictures at gmail.com. We already have gotten a couple really good ideas from people on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. But keep them coming. If you have anything you want us to talk I think, about. I think it will probably end up being like, Kind of like almost like a variety show. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> like just a bunch of segments that like people wanted. Obviously, if it's a whole movie, like we can't cover a whole movie in a right, segment. Right, right, But we, you know, we'll come up with some stuff. Oh, for sure. Some fun stuff. Okay. So let us know what you are interested in seeing and enjoy rewatching Mean Girls. I hope you actually rewatch it because it really is worth watching. Mm-hmm. And let us know your thoughts as well, like about like re-Tina Fey writing, just all that. I'm curious to know. Yes, definitely. Okay, well, thank you once again for listening, as always. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.